you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. Today's episode of the Around the NFL podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Join Rocket Mortgage in saying thank you to essential workers by posting a video to everyoneknowsahero.com. Everyoneknowsahero.com. And we all do. Let's get to the Tuesday show. the NFL podcast likes dirty motel rooms welcome to another edition of the around the NFL podcast my name is Dan Hansis and I'm coming to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers Mark Sessler Chris Wessling Greg Rosenthal what is up boys hey Dan Dirty motels that might have been connected to the Airbnb, Mark, that you uh, landed at the start of all this. Have you guys done any more of that, any of that um, COVID-19 Airbnb stuff? Is that still an option on the table? Little bit, little bit. Um, I mean, I I don't take offense at the um, labeling and it's dirty because it's not in my place. But um, A, I left it, and uh, so did Simone when she stayed there in pristine condition. And it was a small, very, very clean place. So I don't know through the game of telephone um, with our <laughs> listeners where this crops up where suddenly I'm staying in a in a flop house in, like, uh, downtown L.A. somewhere. That's right. the paying, answer to the question. An hourly you, fee. Are you still using it, though? Yeah, I said we've we've oh, used okay. it occasionally. But not – not it's it, only once or twice in a pinch because um, – you know, the cost becomes slightly prohibitive was not in our budget when the disease landed over the entire country. Is it okay to mention uh, the, what you had mentioned on text that you have some in that particular Airbnb, some active neighbors upstairs active and, you know, healthy. Well, human I mean, ways. It's, been, it's been mentioned now. So uh, whether it's okay or not to mention, <laughs> I don't know who they are. I've never seen them, but yes, that, uh, did no, the second time I swung around there, I did not hear them, but the first time, and maybe they were celebrating, um, immense time at home, uh, that was a male female and they were doing what some males and females would do in a lockdown situation. I'll leave it at that. And they weren't, mm. they weren't baking a cake. Oh, necessarily. <laughs> Mark weirdly Why am I on this questions like he's Bill Belichick at a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> We're on to the AFC. Um, today's episode around the AFC in We're still on the air. Conference six that's two. Thirty-two, come on. <laughs> 16 teams in the AFC. Got a little lost there. Wait, that was just figuring out the amount of teams in the (laughs) AFC? Yeah. I thought we were doing the minutes that this was going to take. 
Got there. <laughs> oh, wait, that might have been what I was doing yeah. originally, and then it got a little foggy, and I came out of there with how many teams are in the AFC. But let me do that now. Okay, so 16. 16. That just feels 16 like why you get this memorized by now. You should know just 16. 16. Oh, wait a second. Now that's confusing because times two takes you back the amount of teams. 32 minutes. We're going to do <laughs> two minutes on each of the 16 AFC teams. Seems a little tight. The guys seemed in on the two-minute idea, but I went along with it as a as a good teammate. Well, it'll be a bit of a a test in in word economy from the fellas, which mm. not always our strong suit. So, right there, a challenge for the Around the NFL podcast. Well, if you really wanted to be, you know, in it and support, you wouldn't have just mentioned that, like, "Hey, I'm not totally in this," just so that you guys know. <laughs> this doesn't wanted, go well. Yeah. It's on the other three guys. Yeah, I wanted exactly. to pull back the curtain to let the the listeners know that even as I say it, I worry that two minutes is too short for each team. Mm. Three would be better. Well, but I again, should, I like I think the we challenge. Cut it down right? last time. Uh, previously, Dan, I think there was one episode where it might have been two and a half, though. Might okay. Well, maybe my fears will be unfounded. I mean, you've spent a solid five minutes doing math equations <laughs> right. in your head already on the episode. Hang on. I'm washing my hands of the episode. <laughs> Get the cuticles. Go away. Just go away, please. With the webbing. No. Um, yeah, this will be good. We should be able to do this. We just got to uh, – we're, we're each taking a team uh, from each of the four divisions and uh, a quick setup and a discussion. Uh, and this is going to be totally connected, of course, to the draft, which is now uh, just over a week away. So – Spin through the AFC and then uh, either later this week or next week we'll hit the NFC. We will definitely get both conferences in before the draft, which is a week from Friday. So this will be fun. Uh, Connected to the draft, but also sort of recapping where the rosters stand after free agency, the first wave of free agency. Okay, that's news to me as well. Mine will be all focused on the draft. Mm. Hang on one second. <laughs> and, and just so you don't miss Flashing it, Dan. Hands. Um, <laughs> Uh, just so you don't miss it, Dan, uh, the draft yes. does start on Thursday, which I believe is your Thursday. birthday, too. It is my birthday. Oh, that's Not right. a lot that's of honking right. about the last remaining days of the 30s now that that big 4 is staring you in the face. I. It's more about I feel like I've made my point how much younger I am than you guys that I don't want to rub it in. But I, I am aware, keenly aware that this is the end of the road for my 30s. And it is not great that it's happening in a deep quarantine for society. Uh, there's not many things that I can do in terms of uh, bucket maneuvers uh, at the end of my 30s, but that's and just on a the way super life busy workday. It's on one of the busiest workdays of the year. The one, one that tra- like, tends to stretch deep into the night. So yeah, I don't know how this is all going to play out. I, I don't imagine it'll play out well. Is the draft being held at the same time and everything like that, or in terms of hours? Yeah, same as I, every year. I would say if, if we're doing it in Rog's basement, why just start the thing at 1 p.m.? What are we doing? What <laughs> I mean, it's already you've stripped the pomp and circumstance away. Just make it a daytime event so everybody can have a nice night. I mean, it happens to be my wife's um, 40th birthday that day as well. Or I should say her birthday. Um, you can strike the age from it. But uh, she, you know, well, we've mentioned she was born on, within minutes of Dan at, in different hospitals. So True. it's not I'm not earning any points for the 80th year in a row with the draft falling on that that date. What are you going to do? All right. So, yes. So it's going to be an overview of the team, where they're at, where they're heading. Let's get into it. Let's start with the AFC East. Ricky, you know the drill here. You're in charge of the countdown. When you hear that air horn, it is time to move on to the next team. There will be no talking about uh, your team after the air horn. We move on quickly. I'll try to keep things moving. And again, this is two minutes 
for each team. I will also be tracking on my clock. We'll see how this goes. All right. Let's start in the AFC East, as I said, with the defending AFC East champions, the New England Patriots. Greg Rosenthal, get it going. Their, their needs in New England are uh, familiar, I think, to a lot of people. Tight end, playmakers, quarterback, certainly. That's the first time in a long time. And their front seven, they don't have any real pass rushers. And with all that in mind, I am wondering, do they take a quarterback in this draft? It is not really their MO to move up in the draft. They're already without a second-round pick because of the Mohamed Sanu trade. And you look at where they're drafting in the early 20s, which is earlier than they've been for a while. And, man, this receiver class is loaded. Like, I can't imagine a scenario where Denzel Mims or T. Higgins, like, these guys are exciting, and the Patriots aren't going to take a receiver there. I can't really imagine them loading up to trade up for a quarterback unless they traded Julian Edelman. He feels like the one guy on the team that makes most sense to trade. Do you guys think Edelman is on the team going into next He makes so much sense to go to Tampa, but Tampa's pretty set up at at wide receiver, as we know. Detroit would be another one if they wanted to call old uh, Matt Patricia. Like, I think they they have problems on defense. At least they need to get some difference makers up front. So it might not be receiver, but it, it feels like a perfect class to take one. Remember those, the, the, the chatter about the Patriots years back on um, being interested in moving up for Baker Mayfield. And there's been other little whispers here and there. I mean, this would be the year to do it and they don't have the, they have a lot of draft picks, but like, you're right, not up high. So maybe tough to pull off and who's going to want to let them waltz in and get a quarterback number one overall or something. But I feel like Belichick might have something up his sleeve. If Tua fell, T-minus 30 he's seconds. Saban's guy. That just feels like a Patriots type of thing, although you're hearing a little Justin Herbert stuff. One thing Belichick has demonstrated, when the Patriots suffer an AFC playoff loss, it's back to the drawing hand and sort of pivoting to a new roster strategy like he did when he drafted Ten, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez five, together, eight, when he's gone seven, running back heavy six, in the other drafts. Five, so we'll see. Four. They don't have a lot of huge needs, two, though. I mean, it's a pretty one, yeah good offensive zero. line, good secondary, solid defense. The New York Jets, uh, it's a tackle. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, or a wide receiver. And uh, we have Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks both have – Alabama star C.D. Lamb going to the Jets at 11, giving them, we talked about this last week, a premium young wide receiver to pair with their quarterback they believe is a franchise quarterback. It's frankly overdue considering Darnold's entering year three. Uh, Charles Davis is Jerry Judy going uh, to the Jets as the first wide receiver off the board. So the at least the football cognoscenti, wasting seconds here, is thinking wide receiver now, but tackle wouldn't surprise me. One thing, one potential curveball, the Jets need a lot of help in their secondary. Greg Williams did a good job coaching them up last year, but this guy, Jeff Okuda, uh, who everyone loves and is projected as a top 10 pick, if he ever fell to 11, would the Jets be tempted to get a young cornerback, O-line, wide receiver, cornerback as a curveball? What don't they need? I mean, one minute. this is a team that it's like, He's, Joe Douglas is inheriting a lot of the same problems a lot of Jets GMs uh, have, which he spent the first year just trying to like overcome the previous mistakes. There's not a lot of big strengths on this Jets roster. It's, yeah, I mean, gonna, it's a big so, year for their draft. Go ahead, Mark. I feel like we, we've mentioned this every time we talk about the Jets and Jets needs. Edge rusher for like the 400th year in a row. <laughs> um, I mean, I think they, they, they seem to have a very tactical approach to free agency, which was not blow you away with big name signings, which is fine. 
Uh, but they have so many holes to fill that I, I don't know if you go get the wide receiver and not an offensive tackle, what does that mean for Sam Darnold on the you know pass protection front? Well, they they did make moves in the free agency at offensive line, and there will. Well, I could, know we've discussed those, and they're that. They just could. saying they didn't they go get like, missed on the guys they wanted. Well, they wanted Conklin. That's the guy they seriously wanted. But I would say none of us should be diving in too deep on whether an offensive lineman could play or not until we see him. Right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Mark Sessler. I kind of like the Stefan Diggs trade. It was expensive. And, you know, unlike the Texans, I thought that the Vikings got good value in return for Diggs. But it gives the Bills a chance to go address um, what I think they'll do defense um, early on. And they, they could use um, an edge rusher along with the Jets. They could, too. Shaq Lawson um, went to the Dolphins. Uh, if you read a lot of Bills uh, writers, they're talking about cornerback as well, even though they got Josh Norman. I think Sean McDermott would be fine having like 57 cornerbacks on his roster. Uh, there aren't a billion needs uh, on offense. I think they would have been a key to get a wide receiver, if not for Diggs, but maybe a running back to pair with uh, Devin Singletary, just because I like him, but I don't know if I trust him as a lone feature workhorse guy. What do you guys think? Hmm. They've done a good job the last couple of years at wide receiver. They still don't have a proven playmaker at tight end. They've got a couple of guys they drafted last year who showed glimpses. Uh, I'm with you. I'd like to see another running back to go with Devin Singletary. And I think they need help at guard, which isn't very exciting, but they need some guard help. I, uh, I'm i going to have to rank Brandon Bean pretty high on these GM rankings coming out later this week. There's an annual exercise that's back. Uh, I feel like this roster, he's three years into it. Like It's perfectly set up where he can go almost anywhere in this draft, and they don't have a lot of needs. I feel like defensive end, they ha- they can't feel good about Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. They don't really have like a future pass rusher, but man, this is like the year for the Bills to push. And the Bills fan, the Bills mafia is all going to like expect it, but like this is their year. Like they, they should have high hopes. This should be one where they think they can go far in the playoffs. Are they the Browns of 2020? I, I kind of think they are. Well, you know what I'm they are? But, on this. but to Greg's point, I think that McDermott and Bean have showed such an ability to work well together that they aren't the Browns on that from that angle. They're a well put together organization for the first they, time in a while. They are actually coming off a season where they had success, so it's different in that uh, in that way. West finish out the division with the Dolphins. Well, they spent a lot of money on defense and free agency, so you know they're going to be looking at offense, and of course, quarterback Armando Salguero, who's been pretty plugged in uh, since we've started covering football with the Dolphins, has said pretty strongly that. Tua is not their guy, um, and it's lying season, so you mm. never know. But I don't think that people will be burning their bridges with Salguero because he doesn't seem to fall for the false reports. So that's something to note. But outside of quarterback, don't forget how lousy this team is at offensive tackle. They've got Julian Davenport and Jesse Davis, two of the weaker starting tackles in the NFL. So to me, it wouldn't be a big surprise if they end up going tackle early. I think Brian Flores got everyone excited, but when you look at this roster, it still looks like a team that's pretty deep in a rebuild and the schedule is going to get harder for the AFC East. Like they could win five games again, and that would be a good coaching job. Again, I'm not buying the fact that they're not in pursuit This feels like draft smoke. I mean, he was the guy that we heard Stephen Ross like two, literally two years ago. I do wonder, I mean, I, I love the end of the year story for the Dolphins, 
But in a way, I mean, the whole quest, and it was Salguero who gave us the first uh, mention of the organic tanking, and that's really exactly what at least parts of the organiz- organization tried to do. But wouldn't they be so thrilled, and I think their owner would be too, at number one with Joe Burrow. And it seems to be just conflicted about any of the other quarterbacks, but how do you go anywhere else than quarterback? You have to. Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah have Justin Herbert of uh, Oregon going number five overall to Miami, to a uh, uh, to Miami, Charles Davis and Peter Schrager. So yeah, quarterback makes a lot of sense. But is it too much? Schrager, Schrager dropped this nug last week that they might not be into him. Pass on him, Dolphins, and let him fall down to 11. And old Bill Belichick comes up for it. All right, on to the AFC North, the defending division champ Ravens. Uh, the Ravens. Um, I think they're going to move up potentially in this draft. They have two second round picks. They have two third round picks. They're at number 28. And they're pretty loaded, except for in the front seven. They are so old up front. They ended up signing Derek Wolf when they couldn't um, ink Michael Brockers, which was a nice move. And they have Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams. But all those guys are over 30. They really don't have any edge rushers or linebackers, except for Matthew Judon, who's a franchise tag guy and, and probably won't be there next year. So they feel like they used to always have guys up front, and they don't really have any young guys up front. It feels like they are going to just load up at that because they're pretty well set up everywhere else. I really wanted them to get Emmanuel Sanders or someone of that ilk where I think they could use another wide receiver um, to bail them out at times on that side of the ball. A veteran. I mean, well, it would be a rookie, so not a veteran, but uh, maybe draft a guy. <laughs> going, back, <laughs> leaving. going back a couple of years ago when they bypassed. The clock does that to some people. You know. Yeah, the clock is. To, I, how are you feeling about the two minutes right now, Dan? So far, so good. Go ahead, Wes. Okay. Uh, a couple of years ago, they bypassed Derwin James, so they traded down and they added offense. They really went after Hayden Hurst. They got um, Orlando Brown. So they they have really plugged into the offensive side of the ball, and now it's time, like Greg said, to go defense. Maybe a couple offensive linemen, especially on the interior, but mostly the front seven on defense. Year two, Lamar Jackson. Year three, excuse me. He'll be a fascinating guy to track. Can he do it again? Does right. he have to be that good? Well, I think he'd have, he's going to have to be different. I don't. I don't think they're good. just like we talked about last offseason. They're not going to roll out the same exact offense I think they had in in 2019. They're going to have to do different Nine. things. But I, I give a, I expect Seven, them to be ahead six, of the curve. Still, we'll have a lot of pressure four, on them uh, in January three, if they get back there. Two, There's a bit of a one, narrative emerging zero. there. Uh, moving on to the Pittsburgh. Steelers, they do not have a first-round pick. Micah Fitzpatrick trade took that away. So they pick at 49th overall, six picks overall. I'm very interested to see how they attack this draft from the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line is getting a little up there. In years, they have three guys over 30. Um, They don't have a lot of depth there. Ramon Foster just retired. Then you have quarterback, the 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, just missed the full season uh, currently looks like a long-haul trucker. What's going on with him? <laughs> At running back, you just keep on hearing that James Conner is now kind of on the outs of that organization, which surprises me. But you know what? He also was hurt and couldn't do it last year. Um, so where do they go? I think this is going to be an offensive draft for them at the top of the draft, uh, starting in the second round. Would they take uh, one of the top running backs on the board? That would be not surprising mm-hmm. to me. Um, I don't think they're in the market for a quarterback. 
at this time. Uh, but one other position to watch is wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, surprisingly going into his contract year. They hardly ever give out second contracts to wideouts, and they also don't have a ton of depth there. So that could be an uh, uh, area they address. Hmm. Somebody's been doing a Steelers homework. Look oh, at that yeah. analysis. It is around the AFC. <laughs> James Conner, I'm not sure if they want to replace him. I think they want to complement him with a guy who's a little bit more explosive than Benny Snell. And I agree, there has been talk that Juju Smith-Schuster might not be the big priority contract-wise that we would have thought he was. He was, he's just, him and Connor are very similar, that they were supposed to be the man, and then they were banged up and didn't do a lot when they were on the field. So kind of a, a really bad season in 2019 for Pittsburgh. Everything went wrong. It's like a lot but, of times you look at like Pittsburgh's needs heading into the draft, and then Kevin Colbert just goes and drafts the best player available. I mean, just I've seen them do that too many times, and I don't know if they'll go for one of these Ten, needs or not. Was the best Colbert? defense Mike Tomlin had Seven, since since twenty twenty, like five, early on in four, the Mike Tomlin era. Three. Like Is they it have Colbert a pretty great Colbert? defense. It's Colbert. Ke- it's Colbert. Kevin Colbert. <laughs> Rock my world there. The, the time, Mark. the time is really has Mark on the edge. <laughs> I don't right know. Now. This is like a you know. This is not a classic All Star Day for me so far. Mark, <laughs> your Cleveland Browns who are reintroducing their new uniforms tomorrow. I you know it's it, it every single mock draft mostly says Cleveland just grabbing the best available left tackle um, at at their spot, and some even saying moving up for one. I I think you have to do that at this point just because your other option right now is Chris Hubbard, who we know what he is and we don't, need to, yeah, we don't Hubbard. need to see another year of that um, at, at any, at any length. Uh, linebackers are big, big need. You didn't resign Joe Schobert. Um, Christian Kirksey. I have no problem letting him go. I think he was too, uh, his durability was too much a concern for the money he was making, but they, they need to address that position. Um, they continue to get run on at big clips last year and that's not good. And safety has been a revolving door and they signed, uh, Carl Joseph, they signed Anderson Deho, but both to one-year deals. And a lot of their free agent pickups were, were one-year, um, at most two-year little, what I viewed to be patches, veteran patches, to get some of the defense in order. I, it, outside of tackle, I think it's a very defensive-heavy draft for Cleveland. Um, they, I wouldn't mind them seeing, in another world, taking a shot at one of the better wide receivers where they are, but I just don't think it's, it seems a little risky not taking the tackle. Minus one minute. It's really crazy. To take a receiver if you're the It does, except couldn't you imagine a world where, like, for some reason Landry or Beckham is not there next year and you have no one besides one of those guys? Yes, but their roster is so good. Their roster is good right now. You've spent so much on that that when there's a tackle there that there should be. I mean, now is the time. It's so hard to get those guys. Daniel Jeremiah has Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson linebacker, going uh, to the Browns. Would you be uh, upset about that, Mark? If you pass, I've seen on that in a couple tackle. places, and I and I, you know, I know as much about Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons as as my mom does at this point. But I would say this: <laughs> what I keep hearing is he's t- he's a tough fit. Um, where do you put him in certain defenses, and does he fit Cleveland's defense? Mm. And and will he fit their defense when they have a new defensive coordinator next year or the year after? Is he that kind of a player? Ten. Earth I is like breaking it. down the game film. Eight, seven. Yeah, I like six, that they're connected five, to Ezra Cleveland four, in the second round three, of Boise State tackle. Two. Go yeah, with feels the name. Little cute. Feels Did little you call her Bertha? Isn't it Barbara? Just, yeah, my mom's name is Barbara. It just sounded uh, like a name. Bertha Sessler? I, no, that is not her. That is not her first name. I can assure you. Bab Sessler is her name. Next up, Chris Wessling, your Cincinnati Bengals. Well, growing it up in that city and living there for over 30 years, my take is that Joe Burrow fits this franchise and city 
better than any quarterback they've had since the late 60s when they drafted uh, one of the great might-have-beens in NFL history, Greg Cook, Cook, out of the University of Cincinnati. Um, Joe Burrow is an Ohio guy. He seems to fit personality-wise that city. And now here's where we get into – they get their quarterback, but they had 38 sacks attributed to their offensive line last year, the highest figure in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. This organization has been downright inept at picking offensive linemen from Cedric Abouye to Jake Fisher, Billy Price in the first round, Michael Jordan, a guy they drafted in the fourth round last year, really struggled, and Jonah Williams they took in the first round, didn't play a snap because he was injured. They really need, after they get Burrow, to upgrade this offensive line. I like the offseason they had, though. Their roster, you know, I was doing the the AFC kind of power rankings type of thing, and I don't know. Like, they look like they could be an 8-8 eight and eight team if, if a few things broke right and Burrow was actually good. And they, maybe if they weren't in that division. Like, they really aren't a, a bad-looking roster at all. I, feel I like agree they with should, that. They should source out their drafting of offensive linemen to another front office, just as a favor. Can you pick the <laughs> linemen for us? Because we've, we've shown we're not good at that. That's a good call. Is any franchise good at drafting offensive linemen? The Saints, no. I guess? The Cowboys? and others. Cowboys? What's the boy head coach's name? It always slips my mind. Zach Taylor. The Zach boy Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> Report out there today that he does not anticipate Cincinnati trading out of the number one pick, and they better not. West, the, all the West Siders are going to burn the place down if you don't bring this kid in to save the day. If if there was any potential to burn the place down, it would have happened in the 1990s or the early 2000s or last year. I don't know if it's going to happen now. All right. Let us move on to the AFC South. Greg, starting with the Jaguars. The Jaguars have, like, one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I mean, it, it's crazy. Dave Caldwell took over in 2013. Only one team has lost more games since then. That's the Cleveland Browns. And they're not in that much better shape, the Jaguars, than they were when he took over. And that was it was a train wreck. But they do have a very interesting draft. They have the number nine pick, the number 20 pick, and they have Yannick Ngakwe, who everyone thinks is going to get traded in the next week or maybe on draft day. Like, it's really interesting, and I think they do believe in Gardner Minshew. But if it wasn't for Minshew, it's like everyone would be assuming they would be the team that would be moving up. And, they, man, they have the assets to do it, 920 and Ngakwe. And if you were looking for, like, a totally crazy thing to happen on draft day, I feel like them packaging and them taking a quarterback and this whole Minshew stuff was garbage. Um would be a, a big surprise they could drop on everyone. Minshew as a smokescreen is kind of brilliant. If they really want a QB, they, they're lying in the weeds. I think they're more likely to trade down from number nine. A team might want to get in front of the Jets and Browns for a tackle or maybe even a wide receiver. Mm. The Broncos have been mentioned as a team that could trade up there. I, I look at them, and, and I don't actually think they would do that for a quarterback because I think Caldwell, is, they have to be feeling the heat and thinking, we need to compete this year. We need Minshew to just be the man, and we're going to be better off. You know, Maybe they get a second-round pick for Ngakwe, and they just have you know five picks in the first two rounds and hope they hit on it because they're going to need to have some sort of progress this year, or you would think that they would finally blow things up, although we've said that before. Yeah, I'm just not convinced anyone making any of these decisions is going to be the right person to be there when the players they pick are heading into year two. They've got... The- They've shown the ability to tear down a team, not build one. Five, mm. four, tough, three, tough spot there for Cal- two, Caldwell's finishing last on the GM zero. rankings. 
Bill O'Brien doesn't get the last spot. Well, yeah, he doesn't qualify. I do a whole thing. They need to have uh, already done like one draft and charge and, you know, that sort got of it. thing. Got, mm. it, got it. Moving on. The Houston Texans, they have six picks. They also like the Steelers without a first-round pick, so their first draft pick is a 57th overall. DeAndre Hopkins out the door. They did bring in Randall Cobb, and they brought in Brandon Cooks. I still wonder, and we keep being told that this is a historic draft class, will will Bill O'Brien draft a wide receiver? Early in the draft, or, uh, I don't know, but another, but that makes some sense. But there's also areas of, of concern. Let's look at the defensive line. Uh, DJ Reader, he's out the door. He signs the big deal uh, with Wes's Bengals, and then you know, eight months before that, Clowney goes out the door. So suddenly, a lot of guys that were mainstays on that defensive line are history. JJ Watts, another year older, so they got to rebuild that line a little bit. Um, and guess what? No first round pick or second round pick next Mike. year. So uh better hit on what you got here, Billy OB. They're desperate mm. for edge rushers, especially young ones, and cornerbacks who can play. They've got some cornerbacks with pedigrees, and none of them can cover anyone. I mean, I'd say the trade, the the under part of the trade that was that was not picked on enough was the David Johnson side of things. You might need a running back in this draft at some point. I just I'm not convinced that isn't that player is anything more than a question mark. We got Lamar Miller still in the building, right? Coming back from the coming ACL. off a major injury. I don't know. I mean, if if anything, does does Bill O'Brien need to, you know, extend an olive branch to Deshaun Watson with a wide receiver number one, just as a message to the locker? Room? I mean, they have they have the number forty pick. It's a deep receiver draft. They've got four wide receivers. The, right. Uh, but you also would think they are about as likely as any team to trade out of their pick because you would just as- assume they they are going to try to need to pick up extra picks, especially knowing they don't have uh, their first two picks next year either. It's a disaster. Well, F- Fuller obviously is the other guy. He's missed 20 of the last 48 games, uh, and he's in a contract year. So I, I'm just saying from like a long-term Six, draft plan, but I'm sure five, Bill thinks four, he needs to get better right three, now because the two, heat's on. One. Heat is on Billy O'Brien. Up next, the Tennessee Titans. Excuse me, Mark Sutler. Almost. Mm. I guess if you're the Titans, you could look in a you could really look in a couple different directions. I mean, you get you lost Jack Conklin along a line that was meant to be your identity, and you've got Dennis Kelly filling in. So right tackle is an option, uh, depending on where you are. Um, I I, you know you get Jarrell Casey was given away for a song to the Broncos, and I just see a defense that also needs help at cornerback. Logan Ryan's gone. Adoree Jackson is entering his fourth year. Malcolm Butler. I mean, is there, are they, I'm not sure Malcolm Butler is what we thought he was a few years ago. And, you know, if, if there was whispers of them going after Jadavian Clowney. And I, I'm not saying I want Clowney in Tennessee on a long-term deal, but he'd give them a little bit of spice and a little bit of identity. So I think that the next move for Tennessee is is adding someone to the defense that kind of keeps offensive coordinators up at night, and then maybe a running back to pair with Derrick Henry because do you really want to run him completely into the ground unless he's, you know, a short-term option here? Hmm. A.J. Brown was such an important hit for them at wide receiver because that position has seemed like a need for them for so long, and now it's so far down on the list. I agree with you, Mark. They're going to have to concentrate on defense just to replace some of the guys that left, and especially if they don't re-sign Logan Ryan. Yeah, they signed Vic Beasley, which is a one-year deal. It's only so much risk, but you don't expect him to turn things around. They, they've been pretty generic. They like They have a personality. They're like a big physical team that's a little bit better than the sum of their parts. But you, you guys said it, that there's no one on defense, I think, that, that worries the, the opposition. 
I might have missed this, Mark. Did they plug in a Jack Conklin replacement? Do they have a guy in their roster? Dennis Kelly. I mean, I, he's, I think he's, he's been there a while. He's, he's yeah, not he's Jack been Conklin. there a long time. Dennis but, Kelly. Swing like a nice, tackle. Good, yeah. Swing tackle, Dennis <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> a disgraced cop. <laughs> it's funny how this is the, the Titans are the first team that we're like. Red has stuff to talk about. I mean, what it's else going on, in the DNA. The weather's great in L.A. this week. Six, oh, yeah, beautiful. Five, Riding four, the bikes a lot with the board. Three, oh, yeah, Titan fans two, are going to be so mad about one, this. Zero. Not my fault. Well, partly my fault. Finally, the Indianapolis Colts. Colts, Chris Wessling. Well, this guy, I mean, you get Brandon, Breen, Brandon Bean props. How about Chris Ballard? I don't see a glaring weakness on this roster in mm. any way, shape, or form. The the biggest issue to me is whether Philip Rivers works out or not. If he's washed up, then quarterback, you're back to square one with Jacoby Brissett, a guy you see more as a high-end backup or the perfect backup than, than a solution. But I could see them going uh, left tackle, wide receiver, tight end, running back, edge rusher, developmental quarterback. They have drafted so well in the mid-rounds, and they could go any of those ways. But there is nothing they desperately need. Mm. Wes is still in on the Colts. He did, he kind of got got robbed. Tell me, last you disagree year. that they that they have a glaring weakness? No, I kind of like the Colts. I think if I had to pick an AFC South team, it would be the Colts. Although it's it's got to be the most open division, maybe but, in the entire league. Do you like giving away the thirteenth overall pick um, for DeForest Buckner when yeah. they have? I, I think they have a few distinct needs. Uh, you know, they could use another wide receiver, but I. I DeForest Buckner will change that defense. Yes, because like they have all the cap space in the world. You, in a best case scenario, you hit on DeForest Buckner, you know, with the 13th pick, and that is a, a great scenario. And you got to use the cap space. Yeah, you, it's really hard to get blue chip players in free agency. They got one in in Buckner, and if Rivers works out, that's another one. Ooh, I know we talked about the idea of Jake Brisket maybe reassuming a starting role down the line, but I think it's far more likely that uh, they'll bring in a young quarterback that will be the Phil Rivers successor. That's not Jake Brisket. I wonder if they they're laying in the weeds uh, mm. since they don't have a, a huge need. If they have a quarterback they love that falls to them, would they uh, pull the trigger or they would, <laughs> I, I guess they'd have to move up since they don't have. I mean, just what about Machine Gun Kelly? What about Chad Kelly? I love Chaddy Kelly, but, uh, you know, he's a disgraced cop. But I, I love Chad. Every Kelly that's a disgraced cop, I'm, I have good feelings for. But no, they don't seem to love him in that building. They'll set him free. Nine, eight, they, they took a step back on defense, six, too. They need some difference five, makers on defense, four, too. I mean, that's why they got three, two, one, zero. All right. Finally, the AFC West starting with the Chargers. A little Got a little rough there. Dicey at the end of the AFC South, but we're going to come on strong. Wait, why? What do you mean it was rough? I don't know. I felt like we ran out of things to talk about the last couple of teams, but we are like going to just trying to time, You're trying to time it to the two minutes. You don't want to start right. into some other uh, big point. It's Mark like, knows what I'm talking about. We can talk about the Chargers <laughs> all day long. I mean, uh, who doesn't love this? America's oh, team. Uh, they, they've got the number six overall pick, and you assume that they would take Tua if he's there. <laughs> And what is that? We're done? You assume you uh, they would take Justin Herbert if he's there. Or or maybe, who knows, maybe they love Just Love. But they could go another route. I mean, their roster looks so good. If they really did believe in Tyrod, and you already added like an all-pro and Trey Turner to the offensive line, you added uh, Brian Bulaga, who's better than any tackle they've had. And you add another tackle? Forget it. I mean, that suddenly they got a great offensive line. Right, but then they're one of these teams that's like, look at us. We're very talented, except for a quarterback. 
And I, the whole Tyrod Taylor song and dance, that's nice. I think that they, um, they like him as a player, but give me a break. How do you walk into a new stadium and try to sell Tyrod Taylor as your starter in this behemoth, gigantic, fresh, new Los Angeles playing ground scenario? No, you got to get a quarterback. You got to do it. They have to decide one way or another. If Tyrod Taylor is your guy, then you're not drafting a quarterback at number six. You go win with Tyrod Taylor, build up, get bigger, get another big running back, run the ball because that's what you're going to do with Tyrod. If if he's not your guy, if he's just a Band-Aid, then you need a number three receiver behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and you need you need to draft a, a quarterback at number six. They got a lot of people they got to pay coming up to Bosa and eventually Derwin James. That's in a few years. Keenan out. I mean, they just they they actually almost have too good a roster. They're going to have to start paying these guys. Didn't this play out exactly the same way in uh, Cleveland where Tyrod was positioned as a starter? Then they draft someone at the top of the first round. Anointed a starter in March. Yeah, it all feels highly familiar. All right. The Las Vegas Raiders. That's right. Las Vegas. Uh, secondary needs a ton of help, uh, ranked 30th in pass defense DVOA last season. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. They had Eli Apple on the hook on a one-year deal that fell through. Uh, again, I'll throw out Jeff Akuda. I think he's an interesting guy at the top of the draft, not as a prospect. I'm not here to tell you whether the guy can play or not, but where he falls, whether the Raiders, uh, Some people think the Lions might take him at three. Could go as high as three. I'm seeing him go in the back half of the top ten. Could the Raiders get aggressive and trade up? Uh, Can they pass on Akuda if he was there at 11 or or 12 in good conscience? I don't don't know. Um, That said, they also will have a great wide receiver on the board at 12th overall. And the current group includes Tyrell Williams, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Hunter Renfro. uh, But they still have that Antonio Brown-sized hole on the depth chart. So it makes so much sense that a wide receiver goes. Yeah, I see this with two of their first round picks. I think wide receiver and cornerback make the most sense. LSU, CJ Henderson, if they don't get Okuda. I've been reading that some people actually like Henderson better than Okuda, and, and he's a better cover corner. So we'll see on that one. And they are screaming for a playmaking wide receiver. So that has to be priority number one, I would think. Because Tyrell Williams is nice, but he's not a true number one. And Aguilar, I don't think he's a number two. Hunter Renfro, Greg, is exactly where he should be right there, locked in at the slot for the next <laughs> well, decade. Yeah, and this this draft should set up well for them. Most people think it is really a top three receivers, that Henry Ruggs is, is right there with Judy and Lamb. And, like, physically, he's about as imposing and just seems like a guy that John Gruden and Mayock would love. So one of those three should be there at the very least for the Raiders to take. I think the Raiders could be frisky in 2020. I just noticed Mark's wearing Rob Lowe's uh, NFL hat right now. Well, that was blue over white, but I hear you. There's no overt (laughs) logo from a distance. Uh, Mark Sessler, the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs, to me, compared to what's happened to the Rams over the last couple of years, like walk into um, defending their crown with so many people intact already on offense. Um, I, I, I guess for me, the question would be, you're going to have to focus on defense, I think. And they've got a couple issues at uh, cornerback. Kendall Fuller's gone. Um, Mo Claiborne, who I think appeared in eight games last year but was important for them at periods, is, is gone. Uh, they could use help there. Uh, they're pretty patchwork at linebacker right now. 
And I would say the other, op- if you wanted to hit offense, maybe um, your offensive line, you've got guys like, and believe me, I'm no Cam Irvin fan, but they did a better job with him than the Browns did um, with Snooski's gone as well. So you could use a little help there, but I would never put it past the Chiefs. It would depending on where they where who falls to them, just to take another the fastest player they can add to their offense and keep dropping bombs on a division that I think is in a lot of trouble as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Mm. Yeah, they draft McCall Hardman in the second round last year, and after re-signing Watkins and Demarcus Robinson, he's still the the number four guy on the depth chart. They have speed coming out of their ears. I know Dan wanted Damian Williams to be the Super Bowl MVP or something, but uh, they could use a running back too. At some point, uh, weren't you, Dan, in the No, in the I was like, are I, we sure we're going to give Patrick Mahomes I, the MVP? I cleaned up on sandwiches on Patrick Mahomes. Okay, maybe it was maybe It was, it was you guys. Wes. Uh, no, I yeah, I thought, yeah, he, he should have been the MVP. I stand by that. But you mentioned taking a, a playmaker like they're, you know, running backs aren't going to go early in this draft. Maybe they take one of the top one or two running backs even wouldn't shock me at the end of the first round. I mean, I, I'm thinking, though, cornerback linebackers where I think they will go. But they, the Chiefs sometimes zig when we're thinking they're going to do everyone thinks something else. I kind of don't think they're going to re-sign Chris Jones long term, too, just because they have to sign Mahomes. They haven't even really tried to sign Chris Jones long term at this point. Um, so that's a whole. They did bring back Bashad Breeland recently on a cheap contract. He had a nice Super Bowl, pretty good run for them. I mean, they're going to have to pay Mahomes soon, and it's going to be the biggest deal in the history of football. $50 million, I heard maybe he's asking for. Worth every penny. And that's it. We went around. No, we didn't. Oh, yikes. Oh, my gosh. It's another West Pet team. Oh, no. Finally, the Denver Broncos trip wrestling. <laughs> this is a team, one of my favorite off seasons, and I know I'm higher on the Broncos always than I should be, but getting Drell Casey, like Mark said, for a song, adding a good lineman like Graham Glasgow, bringing in Melvin Gordon to pair with Philip Lindsay. Your defense, I think, is pretty much set. It's the offense, and I think the one caveat is, even if you think Drew Locke has a lot of potential, that is a that is such a what if. It's such a question mark at quarterback, and especially with nothing behind him. Um, I would like to see them get somebody, probably a veteran, but the, the glaring hole there is at number two wide receiver behind Cortland Sutton, and I think you still have some work to do on the offensive line. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, it would not surprise me if they moved up to somewhere like number nine in Jacksonville slot for one of the big wide receivers there. Drew Locke. seen Elway trade up before. I mean, he's he he's not as scared to do that. Hmm. Did I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't be scared then of of like upsetting Nine, Drew Locke's like seven, fragile, uh, six, you know, psyche five, or something four, if, by bringing in a veteran. Three. Just bring, bring him in. in. It's called value. Just go bring in a handholder. Bring in one in. That was not two minutes. <laughs> Ricky, that was not two minutes. What was that? It really was. No, no, that felt. <laughs> no, yeah. Ricky, we were having so much fun that the time shot by. Yeah, the time How, flies when you're having fun. Well, if Ricky, uh, if Ricky had that off by so much, it makes you wonder about the accuracy of all of them. No, I've been tracking him on my phone. So <laughs> okay, okay. How how long was that one? One oh three. That was Ricky about, went to get like a yogurt point. or something and came back and was like, I guess it's been two minutes. <laughs> that was about one minute and twenty four seconds. So the poor know. Broncos, they're already upset with everyone but Wes. Mm. I think he's a wide receiver too, right? 
think you mentioned that. Until they start winning games, they don't have any right to be upset with anyone except their own front office. Give me a That's break. That's a fun that. division. I feel like any one of those teams could be a, a surprise playoff team, other you know, other than the Chiefs. All right. There we go. Around the AFC in thirty two minutes. I thought, you know what? Two minute, perfect. Perfect amount of time. Some teams that could have been around the team in ninety seconds. It would have been great. A little more uh confidence in our in our leadership next time would be appreciated. You know what? <laughs> You're right. When you're right, you're right, Wes. Uh, and I will say that, Wes, if you are going to uh, pump up the Bermuda Triangle of the NFL, we're going to have to beef up those AFC South teams in the back end of the two minutes next time. That's fair. That That is fair. I, I think uh, we're all making good points here. <laughs> all right. Uh, we will be uh, returning with the around the NFC in 32 minutes. I don't know. Do you guys want to do it this week or do you want to maybe push pause on this? Because it. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that that's a lot to do back-to-back shows. We don't have to make any promises. It's yeah. too much football for Dan in back-to-back shows. <laughs> it wasn't I wasn't quite as fun as usual, but it was nice solid football talk. Um <laughs> let's I know do you it next like week. That. It's like, yeah. let's, go, let's go. You know. Let's go back to Roosevelt Knicks and the old gravy. <laughs> for me, that's a better show. Yeah, but weren't you guys doing this like off drafting stuff? <laughs> What's well, that? We Erica? can squeeze it in. Yes, next we'll week, do though. it next. At the very well, we have guests. We have guests lined up, so we'll have to see see how that all works out. We'll we could we could we could do it next week. We could do it Tuesday or something next week. Who who did the Colts? By the way, I did. did I? Who? I did. Wes. Rosie Nix. Did he come up in your two minutes? I didn't think he did. No, we we don't spend a whole lot of time on on a position that only gets three snaps a game. <laughs> the Graybeards have Sorry, designs fullbacks. on a major. And a major uh, fullback presence. I didn't cover the long snapper either. Just, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> uh, all right, good stuff. Good talk. I like the football talk, Greg. I do. But let's you know, let's not you know totally nerd it out. Every show is what I'm saying. You know, mix in the fun, the mirth with the, the analysis. I, I think we, like- we've had that covered. Yeah, this, this feels like a topic from our first year or two of the podcast. How much should be football and how much should be mirth? Right. Mm. Finding that balance. Greg's like, I, I need I Peter Schrager to respect me. So all analysis. <laughs> and then I'm like, all mirth because I'm the fun guy. You know, it's interesting how you see that. Yeah, it, 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 I it definitely struck a chord here by bringing this up. <laughs> I think a nice 22, 78 split football, 22, the rest of the nonsense, 78. We're there is so much more to life, Mark. <laughs> fair. Uh, all right. That's it. Good stuff. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Reminder, the uh, Twitter show is back on Friday. So um, don't miss it. Do not miss it. That's an order. Erica, do you have anything to add before we say goodbye? Again, the program didn't have as much time for you, but that's. Yeah, no, it was cool. I I just took myself out and I just watched the clock and, you know, flew some graphics. (laughs) I'm legit. Arrow down on equal rights. Until Wednesday. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.